Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey guys, thrilled to be back with you on this edition of Just Getting Started. I am so happy to have my dear friend, my work husband, the guy that I depend on when Rich is not around, Marshall Falk, joining us here on the podcast. And Marshall's also chomping on potato chips, and he looks like the CIA is keeping him some weird, like, sleeper cell. I'm in the black site. I'm in the black site. You do. You look like you're like George Clooney from Syriana, and you're about to go and, and, and throw down with some terrorist. What's going on, Marshall? Where are you? Nothing, man. Nothing. I'm in. I'm in a little cave. You know, I'm. I'm on a little, little retreat. Um, uh, playing some golf, getting a little R and R. You know, it's uh, much needed. Much needed. I work hard too, so I deserve to like treat myself. I deserve to run away from my kids and hide. Can I come? Can I come? I have to like I have to wrap this up and get back to Little League. I dropped my kid like unattended a Little League practice. Let's just hope he doesn't like, you know, swing around and crack himself in the head right now because I'm not there because I'm talking to you. I want to come. I want to go play some golf with you. What's your handicap these days? I can't tell that. I can't disclose that. Come on. I can't for gambling purposes only. I can't I cannot disclose that. I mean, it's just People you and me, Marshall. Trying to hustle me. It's it's just you and me. No, no, no it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I I have a problem with golf. I don't like people watching me, so I, I'm always like, um, "All right, turn around," and then I'll hit. It's like the, it's the pressure of standing over the tee, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready." And I, I get there, and I'm like, "Okay, just look away." Is that wrong? But that's it. No, that's the beauty of it. It's when when you when you become better, that's all you do is you want people to see. Like it's it, golf is literally a show off sport. You're by yourself. It's you and the ball, and you want people to marvel over how close you hit it to the hole when you make the putt, how far you can hit the ball, and 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 it, in reality, things always go wrong. Always and then wh- go wrong. Then why do so many people look so insane playing golf? If it's a look at me, some of the guys out there, some of the pros, beer guts. I mean, let's face it. Like you want to look at me, maybe take a lap. Um, you, you know what? It's, it's changed. That used to be like the dynamic of golf. But if you look at a lot of the younger guys, like um, from, from Tiger on down, like athletes are playing golf now. Like there's so many athletes. I, and this is case in point, J.R. Smith, basketball player, NBA basketball player, goes and plays college golf. It's I crazy. mean, that's, it, it just, it, 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 it is. But um you know, ever since I took up this sport, it, it has been something that 
it grabbed me and, and I became addicted to um, the imperfection of searching for perfection. You know, you just, you can never, ever get it right. And then when you get it right, you always start thinking about how better you could have gotten it. It's crazy. That sounds like the title of a book, The Imperfection of Searching for Perfection. Like, what is it exactly about golf that you think is so fascinating? Like, talk to me about how somebody who's played in the National Football League at the very highest level restarts a, a, a secondary love in golf. Yeah. I, you know, I actually started playing when I was while I was in the league. And, and what I always tell people about golf is golf actually made me a better athlete it made me a better professional for the simple fact that Suze, it taught me how to accept when things go wrong, that it didn't mean if you fumbled a ball as a running back, it didn't mean you were a fumbler. It just, it happened at one time, like bad golfer. I mean, good golfers, hit, great golfers hit bad shots, but you get back into your routine and you swing away with the confidence that that's not going to happen again. I think that's a, I don't think unless you played golf, you didn't understand in 10 cup, when Kevin Costner, he kept dropping the ball and hitting another one, dropping the ball and hitting another one. It's because you have to believe in yourself that you can get it done. And I don't care if you hit every ball in the water. It's just about, I knew I could do it. I did it. Who taught you how to play golf? Um, well, first, it was a guy named Brad Mays. Um, when I lived in Indianapolis, I lived across the street from Eagle Creek Golf Course. And this guy named Brad Mays. Um, he, and, and this was the best thing I, 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 um, I was at a golf tournament, actually Eric Dickerson's golf tournament, Tommy Armour the third bet me a hundred dollars. He's like, Oh, you, you just won rookie of the year. I bet you can't hit this golf ball. Suze couldn't get it off the ground. How'd that feel? And I used to How'd always, that feel? I, thought, How'd that feel? I thought golf was a wimpy sport. You know, I thought it was for like nerds. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, Oh, and who plays golf? And once I understood and I got into it, I took lessons. Um, Brad literally took me on the range for like months before he would allow me to play. And then I went out and I played. I was like, this is fun. And it, it had me right there. I had all kinds of contraptions in my house, in my garage, buying all, I mean, I would buy all kinds of stuff to just, just to try to get better. Are there, what kind of parallels are there with golf in the National Football League? I'm going to say that the only parallel that there is, is they both will humble you. Mm -hmm. In the National Football League, you can and will be humbled. I, I, I look at a Tariq Hill. You know, it's like you're having, you, you, you listen, uh, you were it in Kansas City. But when it came time to get paid, it was like, mm, Devontae Adams, hey, you got to go. Ryan Tannehill, he's taking him to the playoffs. <sighs> And all, all, all of a sudden, they drafted another quarterback, and now Ryan Tannehill is letting people know, "Hey, I'm not. It's not my job." This this sounds familiar. It's not my job to to uh, to tutor this, to mentor this guy. That sounded like Brett Favre, right? Why do Remember they all Rogers? say that? They job. sound so crazy <laughs> when they say that every time. Because 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 most quarterbacks are so sensitive to competition, they can't deal with competition. They need to know they're the only one, and and that's it. They don't want competition. It's crazy, though, because I was listening to Kurt Warner talk about it this week. And again, nobody in the world is as giving as Kurt Warner is. I mean, talk about the humblest man in the world, but he keeps scratching his head. He's like, you should feel you should have enough confidence in your play that it is okay 
to bring someone along, to have that kind of karma in the world. And every time it's the Brett Favre, it's the Ryan Tannehill, these guys are like, they forget that at some point somebody may or may not have helped them out. I kind of feel like someone always helps somebody out along the way. Kurt was one of the few guys, and I don't think people remember this. When he was, Denny Green was the head coach. Kurt was in Arizona. Matt Leinart wasn't ready to play. But they wanted to play Matt Leinart. And then when the game got into winding moments, they wanted to put Kurt in. And Kurt was like, he was coaching Matt Leinart. And and, and and it came from, and I, I mean, I, I was this way too. I remember being in St. Louis um, with the Rams and, 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 and they kept drafting young running backs. I'm like, hold on, wait, I won MVP. They drafted a running back in the first round. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I go for, I go for, I, I break the most yards record, uh, total yards from scrimmage. They draft another running back in the first round and they keep drafting running. Back. I'm like, wow. And finally I was just like, listen, I remember having this conversation with Steven Jackson. I'm going to teach you everything I know. If you can beat me out for the position, then you're going to make the team better. So I- I'm going to show you how, to st- how I study, how I prepare, and how I do everything to get ready for games. You know, it's so crazy. Leslie Visser, when I was her intern, she always said to me, it's your job to help somebody along the way, the same way that I'm going to help you. And she said, if you feel good enough about your job, then you should feel good enough about helping somebody else out. And funnily enough, Lindsay Soto, Lindsay Rhodes, was coming up when I was at Fox Sports. I wasn't going to be like, no way, she's cute and young and blonde. I was like, the more the merrier. And it's 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 the, I was going to say it, it's like, can I say it? It's like, it's the bitches that won't bring somebody up along with them because they're too threatened. <laughs> And then I've got no, I've got no space for that. You know, I think that's exhausting. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, everybody's not that giving and uh, everybody is not that confident in themselves to, to believe that if I give you every, if I tell you my secrets and then beat you out, now what? Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to know what I know. And uh, you know, that's not true competition. But it is what it is, and um, quarterbacks are, you know, they, they, they get paid a lot of money to be that way. A lot of money to be that way. I wish I had gotten quarterback money. I've, and I could really do some pretty things with that, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, the reason why you're great for this podcast is, well, myriad reasons. Number one, you've already told us about when you got started playing golf, and I want to know what your favorite golf course is. I should probably ask you that right off the bat. What's your favorite golf course? Uh, my favorite, The favorite golf course that I've played is Augusta. Um, I got I, I got a chance to play Augusta on two occasions, and um, the nostalgia of of being there. And, and Suze, I'm 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 gonna be honest with you, you know I I I I didn't I'm from the South, and you know you see racism and you see stuff the way it is, but I remember walking into the restaurant there, and you know like the the, the help the, the people that's working there like they still dressed up in like plantation gear sure like the way to plant when, when when you see it on the movies when they show like old plant pretty much pretty much everybody in there that's serving you they're black and so when i walked in and they saw me it was like wow <laughs> i mean this this is this is this is this is like Tiger had just like Tiger just won the Masters. There was no Condoleezza Rice. There was no black members. Women were still not allowed there. It was like it was then, and I think it was like ninety nine. 
yeah, maybe 99, 2000. And I'm not talking like, like it was, no, this like, is not, you know, this is not years ago. exactly. This uh, is not the civil <laughs> rights era. Uh huh. It was, it was unbelievable to watch them look at me, not just as an athlete or someone who, who they've entertained, but to see someone of color there dining who they were serving. It was like, yeah. What was that like for you? Um, you know what? I, I, I didn't even think that I didn't think anything of it at the time, but, um, we stayed, uh, I forgot which cabin I stayed in, but we stayed, we stayed on property, um, and woke up the next morning and, and I just started to think about it. I was like, man, Hmm. This is, a uh, there's something, this, this is, this is different. And it is, it, it's, it's very much so. What was it like for you growing up in New Orleans? Tell me about your childhood. Susie, you know, I, I, I lived, I lived a very good life. Um, and we were, we were poor. We didn't have much. Um, me and my five older brothers, we lived in like a, a three bedroom house. Uh, and my mom, my mom, my mom busted her butt. And I, I didn't know all of this growing up. I did, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and, and I knew we lived in like poverty, you know, because I, I grew up in the projects and housing, desire housing projects. But I didn't realize how poor I was until I went to college. I didn't know. Like I went to college with $200 and two duffel bags full of clothes. Went from New Orleans to San Diego State. And I met my roommates. All three of them had cars. They were getting allowance every month from their family. It was just, I was like, hold on, wait, I grew up different. I, I didn't I didn't know. So when I when I think about it, I was loved. Um my mom, my mom busted her butt and made sure that we had. And I, I didn't I didn't want for anything at the time, you know, other other than looking at TV, dreaming of having things. That's it. You know, and I felt like all kids did that because that was TV. Everybody wanted what was on TV. But not until I got to college did I realize I grew up poor and and like impoverished, and I didn't I didn't realize what my mother accomplished because I was the youngest. She sent me off to college. Everybody was out of the house, and I was like, "This woman is something special." I'm talking. She had my oldest brother when she was 14. Um, dropped out of, dropped out of school and like. 10th grade and, and provided for us and taught us how to be responsible adults, you know, like having a woman raise six boys. That's, that's, that's hard. That's hard. And, um, and so when I think about my life, um, man, people getting killed, guns, drugs, violence, all, all of that was around me, but I grew up in a loving home and with a loving family and, um, I, I feel like I grew up the way I should have grown up because it taught me all the values and morals that I have today. I can't even imagine how many jobs your mom juggled. Oh my God. You've... It's, I'm talking two and three jobs, two and three jobs at times, Suze. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh, two and three jobs. So what was your introduction to football? How did you get into it? Uh, so at, when I grew up, I was I was not supposed to play football. My mom my mom would not allow me to play football, and 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 my brothers I had to sneak and play football. 
And and I and I remember when my mom heard that I was playing football, uh, she 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 came. She told me this was this was the rule. She said, "Okay, you can play, but you can't get hurt. And if I'm ever at a game, I need you to never lay on the field and be hurt. Hmm. If you do, and I have to come down there, I'm whipping your ass." <gasps> <laughs> so it wasn't bad enough that you might be hurt on the field. You were going to get a whooping if you got up too. I got a broken arm. She's going to whip me. <laughs> so maybe that's why you were oh, so, man. maybe that's why you're so able to dodge the tacklers because you were afraid of your so mama. Elusive. I was not getting hurt. So was, I, I never, I never had to get carried off the field. A cart or nothing never had to come and get me ever. That never happened. Why do you think Marshall? I I don't know. I just, I, 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 well, I do know. I just, I remember the deal that we made. I remember the deal that we made. Like my, my mom would literally come to games just to watch, to see me get up. Like she like get tackled. She'd be like, get up, get up, get up. She, I, and I remember having a conversation with her. It was, she, she, she just, she never, she couldn't stand people hitting me and tackling me. Um, Susan's one time. Uh, my mom saw Warren Sapp. I think we were at the Pro Bowl, and uh, we had, we had just beat the Bucks. And I took my mom to the Pro Bowl, and my mom saw him in the elevator, and 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 um and he introduced. He saw me with my mom, and then he introduced himself. And my mom, I know who you are. You picked my baby up and you slammed him. <laughs> and can't you see Warren with the eyes like this? And he must have been like, I can almost hear his no, response. Mama. What did no, he say? Mama. No, Mama. He was just, he was like, no, mama, no, uh -uh. your son and I, we're good friends. Oh my God. That is so amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> I can only imagine his response, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sap remembers that time too, man. When did you, when did you know that you were special on the field? You know, I, not until I got to college, not until I got to college did I realize um, I was different. And when I was in, when I was in high school, I played so many different positions and and my and my team we we sucked. I played on such a bad team in high school. I mean, it was just we we were not that good. And my coach moved me around, and um, and I didn't know until I got to college. And when I got to college, and I got to just play running back, um, calling my coach, I was like, I, I was telling him how much fun I had. He said, I knew you would have fun, but um, I just had to teach you the game of football. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. And I should know, they kept my car on the road, and they do it with a smile on their face. They offer friendly service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. And that comes in so welcome when your car needs to be put back together, and they do it with a smile so you know you're being taken care of. They got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And guess what? You should not miss Power Torque Tools DIY days at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come in with a lifetime guarantee. And right now, you can save big on Power Torque hand tools, power tools, jacks, 
and more. Get great deals on a wide range of power torque jacks and jack stands, including two-ton jack stands and up to three-and-a-half-ton floor jacks. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right power torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. How did you get recruited by San Diego State then if your team was hot garbage? Team was hot garbage. Um, the recruiter who came to see, uh, we were playing our, our rival and they had a receiver guy named Ray Peterson, who was like blue chip guy, really good receiver. And I played corner and, um, he came to see him and at our game, when we played them, I had like a game of two interceptions, took one back for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, rushed for a touchdown, caught for a touchdown. Um, and he just was like. He went back to it to his like, hey, Curtis Johnson. He went back to uh to the head coach and was like, Hey, look, Ray Peterson is good and we can recruit him, but we have to take a look at this guy. And so I took I took a trip. Uh it was like I I, I wanted to go to California. I was like, I got a chance to go to California. Didn't want to go to Cal. None of the schools up north because I, I want I went to play football in warm weather. I just I, I don't know why people go to school, go to college somewhere where it's cold. It makes no sense to me. Or play football in the cold. It makes no sense to me if you don't have to. It's great. Are you, it's great. Cold says, weather says football. The, says the woman who lives in Los Angeles. Says the woman who lives in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry. Let me just turn down the 80 degrees outside, right? I'm like, who am I kidding? All right. Keep going. Fine. Don't call my ass out. This is my podcast, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So so I I, I took – and at the time, you know, the gang stuff and and like the the Rodney King stuff was going on in in, in L.A. So that was out. San Diego State. I was like, all right, cool. I'll take a trip there. Man, when I flew, I flew there and I went to school and I was, I walked on campus and I was just like, wow, this is awesome. You know, I grew up, you grew up in the South, it's, it's black and white. It's black and white. And like, now you get to see this melting pot. You know, I, 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 I didn't know much. I didn't, I didn't know much more than, you know, my community and my, my neighborhood, and my environment. I wasn't traveled. And that's all I thought. I remember, um, and I can't remember who told me this. Somebody was like, Make sure you go to college in a city that you want to live in because the connections that you make, they go far. And I was like, I want to live here. What was it? And, what and, was it? What was it that got you? Um, probably the diversity. You know, I, I, I had never I had never met met uh, other than white and black. I had never met another race and never seen. And San Diego is such a melting pot. That campus, it's awesome. It's, um, and I just, it, it wasn't even about football for me. It was just, I wanted to, um, I wanted to get away from the South and see something different. Marshall, so many kids from your neighborhood didn't get a chance like that. You know, they didn't know. get a chance to leave. What do you think would have happened know. to you if you didn't have football? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. I, I, I know, I know myself and I know what, what had been instilled in me, um, I was going to be successful at something, uh, and whatever I would have chosen, I would have, I, you know, I would have been successful at it. I know that. 
I know that for a fact, but um, I, I, I can't put my finger on it. If it wasn't me playing sports, then it was going to be me in the capacity helping kids use sports as an avenue to get to where they want to get to in life. Because that's all I kept thinking about. This scholarship is going to give me an opportunity to get a college education and change my family's flight in life. It's funny, Michael Irvin was on a couple weeks ago and he talked about when he was born, his mother said to him, you are going to be the one that's going to change my life. You're going to be the one that takes care of our family. And that's also a lot of pressure It is to be that person who gets out. What was that like for you? Suze, I just, uh, for me, that wasn't the case because I was the youngest. And when, when I left, my mom was like, my mom was like, enjoy and live your life. You know, when I, when I chose to go to San Diego state, she was like, that's far but I want you to do what's best for you. Make the decision that's best for you. And um, it, it, I had, I literally had no pressure on me. The pressure really was I went to school with $200 and two duffel bags full of clothes. I couldn't get back home. I couldn't afford to go back home. I had, the pressure was I had to make it in a sense. It wasn't for my family. It was, it was for me. Because what was the alternative? You didn't have one. I, the, I, I didn't have one. L- literally, even even if I was like, I'm going, I want to go home. I couldn't. I couldn't afford to. Wow. I I love talking to you about how you see a football field. I don't think everybody gets to understand oh. that. So as you as your play developed, what was it like for you? And can you walk us through how yeah, the, the game was kind of the game. Yeah, the game was kind of in slow motion to me. Um, I was fortunate enough to be taught the game of football um, at a young age, and um, you know, I, I wasn't just—I wasn't the kid just running with the ball, just 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 running just to run. Um, I, I I ran, and and I and you know, I've I've had these conversations with Rich many a times. The connectivity of um, my eyes and my feet, and uh, you know, it's like. I, I had to see it for my feet to take me there. You know, it's, there's, there's your people always say your feet can't take you anywhere. Your eyes don't see, and you have to be able to see it in order to get there. And so um, I studied the game. I studied other running backs. I studied just tendencies and, and, and everything about the game because I love football. And so um, the game moves very slow for me. Uh, the chess match, I figure it out pretty early. and. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I can remember forcing myself to play the game instead of think the game too much, because you can just you can overthink the game sometimes. Um, but but for me, um, I was always able to get out of my way and still play it and not overthink it, but yet be mindful of everything that was going on around me. And plus, so many running backs just hate getting hit so much. You used that to me one time. You're like, it hurts. <laughs> It does. It does, Suze. It um the the idea I I remember um my uh I think it was Gene Huey. He used to he he asked me like why do you run out of bounds? I was like, because I don't want to get hit. <laughs> if, if 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 I can gain yards and run out of bounds and they can't hit me, do you understand how mad they are? Somebody's gonna blow an assignment because they want to hit me. And and I'm not gonna take hits that I that I don't need to take. How cheeky were you when you played? Oh my god! I was I was a nice guy. I was a nice guy. I didn't smack talk. I didn't. I was nice to my opponents. Really? 
Did that piss them off more, or were you really a? Yes. Were you? Come on. No. No. Come on. Um, I, I only got into it with like two people. Um, I remember the first time I played the Chargers, um, and I went back to San Diego, and I was playing in the stadium because we shared the stadium with the Chargers, and um, and I was and I was like talking smack like this is my house, and Junior say I wasn't having it. <laughs> Junior say I wasn't having it, so he and I we're good friends. Like we 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 kick it during the off season and we train during the off season, but he wasn't having it. So he and I we got into a little shoving match, and then um, oh man, who's the other guy? Uh, I can't think his name. Um, me and this this we, we would get into it all the time, all the time. Every time we played him, because he was he was always like taking shots at people's knees, and I just couldn't stand that. But um, but other than that, I like I I killed him with kindness, like literally, like thank hey thank you, um I listen, I, I appreciate you letting me get by you like uh, this, hey no, it's okay don't don't worry I do that to everybody it, it, I, oh. you know, it's 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 fine don't don't take it hard on yourself. So that's like smack talk 2.0. I'm sorry I got past you. I do that to everybody. That is nasty. That is nasty cold stuff. These are true. This is this is the truth. This is the truth. Truth hurts, doesn't it? But, yeah, right. But I, I wanted him to know, like this. This is you're not the original one. I've I've done this to many of people. But 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 again, that's nasty. Like that's I think I love that. That's like some next level dark, twisty psychological stuff. It's because you know why it's that. It's funny. Leslie Visser always says that if you're swearing, it's because you're too lazy to think of a better word. And the truth is that it's a version of that because you're killing them with kindness. So they're, they're like saying, thank you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where'd you go? Like, then they realize a second later what you said to them. They're like, that's cold. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's, I'm just telling them the truth. That's it. It had to have felt so amazing to feel that good about your play and about who you were as a player. Yeah, I am. Um... I, I remember, I remember at, as I got older, and I wasn't as effective. Um, how I didn't feel the same about playing the game. Um, you, you, you want to be effective, and being out there and not being effective um, after you you've done it for so long and you've done it a certain way, um, it just it, it wasn't as fun. Uh, I just, I, I always, I used to always tell my coach, he would, he would say, Hey, this guy, I was like, I'm not worried about the first guy. He won't touch me. It's the next guy I'm worried about. And, and when I was not able to, to do that, um, it was just different. It was different. I was that, that, that's literally when I knew I had to retire. I, I remember my last year, I got, it's, it was like, I made a move. Guy shoestring tackled me. I made a move. I barely got by, but he tackled me. I was like, "Oh man, I almost got him!" And then I started to look at the film, and I was like, "I lost it." Yeah, I was like, "I lost it. It's gone." How hard was that, Marshall? Was that how hard was that? You know, no, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. You know it. But the reality is, you accept it. And and I, I I mean, I accepted it. I I got it. I, I listen. I, I I remember being second, third year playing against ten year vets, and they were like, it, it was, and I was like, oh, you, you're gonna have a long day today. I remember being that guy, 
and it's 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 just it's the way the game goes you know but um but i knew could i have played maybe two three more years of course but i couldn't imagine being out there without my stuff you know that's it's like you have this 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 body armor <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're just a normal human being that's not fun uh uh-uh. no so many athletes have such a hard time walking away though marshall what was it like for you when you said i'm done i'm through it and you walked out of that locker room for the last time i um i literally cried i cuz i knew it my last game um it was the last game of the season. I was only playing third down. Steven Jackson had a hamstring injury. We had two young running backs uh, that was back. That was like backing him up as, as, as like, as running backs. I only played third down. And if, if Steven, like when Steven couldn't play, if those two young guys had to go play, they probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have been in the league any longer because they would have got exposed for being young. And last game of the season, you know, you, you you could end up getting cut and not making it next year. And so what I did was I said, Co- I, I went, I said, coach, let me start. Let me start and play most of the game and they can back me up. And I hadn't played, I hadn't played a whole game. And, and I played, I played a whole game. We're playing the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and uh, we're in Dallas and we beat them. And um, I remember sitting in my locker and I knew that was it. I was like, that was it. I, I was sitting there and I just cried. I was crying. I went got in the shower. I was emotional about it because I was like, I knew I was like, this is it. And, 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 you know, I, I knew I wanted to do television. I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I had started working in, when I, when I went to St. Louis, I started doing TV. Um, I started preparing for life after football before, before life after football was ready for me. And so it, it was an easier transition for me in a sense, because I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wasn't just a football player. Um, and I knew I was more than that um, in a sense of business and everything else. Um, there was more to me than just the guy that, that people saw running up and down the, the field with a uniform and number 28 on. So I missed it. First year out was the, I mean, it was just like, um, I, I thank God for Rich and Mooch and, and, and Dion and Michael and and, and Rod and the team that we formed, the bond that we had, because, you know, it became kind of our locker room in a sense, um, because you miss it. There's nothing like it. And when you walk away from it, um, there's, there's no, there's no senior league. There's no, you know, you can't go play a pickup game of football. It just doesn't work like that. What do you think? Um, it's so funny you say that there's no pickup league, there's no senior league. It's so true. You can't just call a bunch of guys and say, let's put on pads and go play. You know, so many, so many of the guys that I know, especially NBA players, they still play in pickup games. So how do you find a rush after you retire from football? Um, it, it, there's no rush. Uh, I, found something, I found something different in television. The challenge to, to become great at telling people what they were seeing and why they were seeing it and how to differentiate myself from every other analyst. Um, I really dove into it. Uh, I would ask Rich about, about being, you know, I didn't want to just be an analyst. I want to be a journalist. Like I wanted to get better at the stuff that they do, being able to write your own stories, um, uh, reading a teleprompter, writing your own lead-ins, going, doing interviews, 
leading into the interview, wrapping it after the interview. Uh, I wanted to do it all. Like I wanted to, I wanted to fall on my face and get better and, and in front of people and, and have people see my growth and what I was doing. So uh, that became, that became the challenge. And, um, and you know, it was, it, it, it served its purpose for, for what I wanted and what I needed in life. And yet again, you're starting again, because I always laugh. You've got like 15,000 companies, but how did you then decide to go into business? It's true. You're always telling me, I got this one. I've got that one. And my head is spinning. How did you turn into a businessman once you realized that you had interest that went in a different direction? Because the whole point of this podcast is to try to help people figure a way to find their own success. So how are you able to then turn and say, I'm not done. I want to do more. Um, because that's, that's just me. It's not how you, it's just that you do it. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I didn't, I didn't want to just own a piece of a business. I want to learn about the business the same way. I know football when I get involved in businesses, I, I study and learn about the businesses. I really dive into it because I mean, what's, what's the, what's the sense in just making money off of something without understanding what you're making money with? Or who you're making money with, and and I just um, you know I think it served it served its purpose for me in a sense that um, every every everything that I've succeeded in in business and everything that I've failed in in business, I knew exactly what I was doing and what was going on. Um, I, I don't have a story of hey somebody stole money or somebody put me in a bad deal. No, I did the research. I took the gamble. I lost. I did the research. I took the gamble. I won. It's it's always that's always the case for me. I'm well I'm well informed about the things that I do and when I do them, how I do them. It's much easier to take a chance when you know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not walking into something blind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I and and here's the thing. I, I'm always asking people, and and people always want to know best case. I'm like worst case scenario. Give give it to me. What's the worst case scenario? So I know. So I understand what I have to lose. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. What didn't you do that you wish you had done? Suze, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, I don't have a list like that that exists. If, if, if tomorrow I wake up and I'm like, I wish I did, I, I just go do it. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna do it. That's, that's literally it. Like, I don't, I don't have that list. I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I'm blessed in life that, um, if there's something that I want to do, I just go do it. 
if I have a desire, you know, I just, I, I, I go do it. There's no, I, I don't have those, that list. See, that's one of the reasons why I love talking to you. I mean, you're, you're the perfect example of an absolute success story. You didn't grow up on third base. You didn't grow up going through private schools and what have you. You figured a way to make something out of everything. And I think that's just incredibly inspirational. Well, I think, I think to a degree, if people, if people take the mentality of, of, of making something out of whatever they are, wherever they are at, wherever you are at in life, make something of it. Don't waste the time complaining, um, coming up with excuses. Um, it's just, it's a waste of time comparing yourself to other people, worried about what other people have based on what you have. All that's a waste of time. Make something of wherever you are at right now. Better yourself. Take a step or two forward. And just 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 allow yourself to instead of holding yourself back because of the circumstances and situations. I mean, that's that's exactly it. You could have gone in so many different directions. You could have been one of those kids that stayed behind and worked the streets. You could have you could have done just about anything, but you had the the balls yeah. to take a chance on yourself. Yeah, and that 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 took me all the way to San Diego State. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like they were a powerhouse school or anything like that. I just knew, I knew that I wanted something different than my environment, and I I, I meant to put myself in a situation because I could have went to LSU and probably been home every weekend, but that's not that that would that would not have been good for me. Um, what I did, I put myself in a, in a situation that if I really wanted to succeed, then it was there for me. And it, and it, and it didn't have to be football. Well, what could it have been? Uh, it could have been anything. I'm, I, I could have just went straight into business, you know, it, it, but I was, I was going to succeed at doing something. And, and I knew, I, I, I understand that you know your environment doesn't always hold you back, but I had seen my environment hold a lot of people back, and so I wanted to make sure that that was not a deterrent for me being successful. I can only imagine too how much more difficult it would have been for you if you'd gone to LSU, because when you're the local star and you're that close, got a lot of people knocking on your door and a lot of people thinking that you owe them something. And I bet you anything that distance that you put between yourself and a whole crowd at home probably saved you a whole lot of heartache. Yeah. I mean, I was one of the first athletes to leave the state, go somewhere and be successful. Um, most, most players don't leave the state. LSU is like it. That's where you go. If you're, if you grow up anywhere in Louisiana and you're a top athlete, you go play sports at LSU. That is the culture. But I, I, I knew it was too close to home, and, and I needed to be further away from a lot of the distractions that I grew up with. What was it like the first time you bought your mom something really special? Um, the first thing I bought her was a house. And... Um, you know, being able to, I, I like, I, I remember it like yesterday. Um, it was, um, 
like July 30th, uh, 1994. I just signed. I'm headed to camp. Um, and um, having a phone call with her, telling her she'd never have to work a day again in her life. You know, like retiring your mom, watching my mom bust her butt, um, watching her when she came home at night, I'd bring the tub of water so she could soak her feet, massaging her legs and stuff like that. You know, like understanding the sacrifice that was made for me to be in a position that I was in. And I tell people this all the time, listen, um, and you might want to tell your kids this, you know, they don't understand that they, they're going to have life a certain way. And I say this to my kids, you're going to have life a certain way, but understand the sacrifice was made. And I knew like, I, I have the life that I have because the sacrifice was made. Like my mother made a sacrifice. Like she, 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 she put it all on the line and she, and we didn't want for anything. We always had food. We always had a roof over our head. Always had clean clothes. I'm trying to tell my kids every day that I'm sacrificing more than they want to know about, and they don't seem to give a you know what. So I'm just saying, maybe you ought to roll in and give them a little speech. Uh, you can't. You don't try to hear that. Coop ain't trying to hear that. What? Coop's too busy. Like Coop's too busy worrying about his rotisserie, and and he's too worried. You know, worried about getting back out to his batting tee outside and mom, what time is soccer and mom and mom, can I have that Lego and mom? And you know, Xander, I mean, well, you know, Xander, that's a whole nother podcast, but yeah, my kids, um, I keep telling them, you know, that there were sacrifices made and they keep telling me what time's dinner. I'm like, I'm not the one making it. So don't ask me. What was it about Reggie white? That was so scary. Well, oh my God. I mean, it, just his presence, you know, he, he, he had such a presence and then, you know, he was like, a, you know, he was a reverend. The dude went, he went studied, um, um, Judaism. And I mean, it's just like, it, it, and, and, and every time he'd tackle you, he'd help you up. And he said, God bless you. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you do with somebody like that? You know, it's like. That's some next level psychological stuff though. That's kind of like what you did by being nice to people. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he was doing it, you know, in, in, a, in a psychological way. I just think that, you know, he was such a God-fearing man and he was so religious that um, I think when he, you know, because he turned his life around and he changed and he gave himself to God and became, a, you know, became Christian. And, 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 and in doing so, um, in order for him to play the game of football, which is the violent game, he, he, that was his way of, of, um, of, of, of asking for forgiveness for inflicting pain on people. Think about that. I mean, you're playing a game where you're hurting people for a living and oftentimes like they're carting off a stretcher and here you are trying to to be a God-fearing man. That's kind of like two different two different paths. Yeah. I mean, it's most of the guys that were like into church, they didn't play football when we were little. Like they weren't they, they weren't allowed to play football. They had to play basketball or or baseball because because of the the the, the violence in, in football, the volatility of, of, of what you're trying to do and, and have fun doing it, you know, tackling someone is, it's, it, when you're a little kid tackling someone, that's fun. Yeah. It's not fun when they weigh like 280 pounds and it's hot and they land on top. Not of fun. Uh-uh. Can I ask you, what is it like when you're at the bottom of, of a pile of, uh, I, I get, myself 
I, I, I get claustrophobic looking at sometimes you guys who are running with the ball and you got the rock and you got five or six 300 pound guys falling on top of you. What is that like? Well, not fun. Not, not fun at all. <laughs> not fun at all. You're literally down the line. Get up. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. Literally. literally. And I, I mean, because norm, usually as the running back, you're at the bottom of the pile and it's the defender on you, your offensive lineman on him, another defender on top of him. So, I mean, it could be anywhere from 600, 700 pounds on top of you. Did you ever, were you ever scared? Well, yeah, that's why I let him tackle me all the time. That's that, that's the, that's why you run fast. You when you run scared, you run faster. Because <laughs> you don't want seven hundred pounds of man on top of you. No, thank that's you. It. That's it. But guess guess what? Sometimes you understand what you're about to endure, and, and every everybody everybody's not built for it. And 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 when they call the plays, when you know people that when they don't know football, and they're like, why do they just keep running straight into the line of scrimmage? Well, because sometimes you have to. <laughs> you just have to. I mean, I think that's such an astute thing to ask is, well, why do they – sometimes football does seem ridiculous. Yeah. It's that whole three yards in the cloud of dust yeah. thing. Well, and- it's, not, it's not that. Um, you, you have to test and make sure that a defense can stop the basic stuff. They have to if, if they can't if they can't stop the direct line to the goal line, then why try anything else? So you have to test it out. What was the very best moment that you had when you played? Um, the very best moment. So so let's say non-playing, non-playing very best moment was being drafted, like hearing your name called, understanding how lucky you are, and. And and I, sports is, is is unique. Well, back then, now now it's just it's it's wide open. And in this sense, and what I'm about to say, you understand. I started playing football when I was five. I didn't get paid for it till I was 21. You know, it's a lot of sweat equity. It's a lot of sweat equity that you put into the game. And sometimes people play not knowing that you you are going to get paid. You just play for the love of the game, for the fun of it. And so to hear your name called, it's um, that that moment in time, it changes your life. But not only does it change your life, it changes people's, people's pers- perspective of you. And so you have to learn how to deal with that. And you have to learn how to deal with what comes with that. And a lot of times when you're like me, you know, humble beginnings, housing projects, didn't have much. There's a, there's a lot of accelerated learning that you have to learn. Um, that comes along with it. And sometimes we don't have the tools to, to, to deal them or we're not equipped. And that's why you see so many guys not succeed because they don't, they don't have, they don't, they don't have the necessary things in order for them to go out and succeed. What was the toughest thing to learn? Um, how to say no. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard saying no to the people you love. You know, telling, telling, telling your siblings, um, people close to you, because when, when, when your contract gets announced, you can't say you don't have the money. <laughs> you can't be like, oh yeah, no, nah, I ain't get my check. Oh yeah. No, nah, you can't, you, 
you can't lie. So it's out there. You can't, you can't lie. And, 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 and it, it, it starts to alienate you in a sense, you know, you, um, if you're not comfortable with who you are, you, you literally can lose perspective of, of, of people's perception of you you know mm-hmm. you know they, they it's like well, they only call me for money they don't really love me they don't really care about me and um and it you you can start to have if you don't have a good a good core of people around you um you can become isolated and, and life can become become harder you know now on the field on the field thing um I went in the Super Bowl. Yeah, went in the Super Bowl without a doubt. Um, you know, that's that's uh that is um the greatest feeling, you know, that you can have. You know, all the other accolades that you get, fine, but but winning winning the Super Bowl, that is and then post post it's Hall of Fame, you know, hearing when you when you are and and I and I say this because you know most most guys don't grow up a fan of the game, you know. They're, 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 their mom or the dad or the uncle or brother made them play, uh, but I you know I'm 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 a football junkie, you know. I love the game, and um, you know I've told the story many a times. Uh, the only way I could get to see the game was being a vendor selling popcorn in the Superdome, and and that's the only way I could watch the games. And when you when you do stuff like that, you know it's like <laughs> like I'm I'm finding ways to get into the games to watch the games, and then lo and behold, I am now the entertainment in that game. <laughs> and then the guys that I was doing that to watch are are friends of mine, um, and those guys that are in the Hall of Fame that I looked up to, you know, I I, I tell Ricky Jackson all the time. You know, like just just the relationship of of for him to consider me a friend, and I idolize like what those guys, Sam Mills, Vaughn Johnson, like those guys playing. Uh, to have a Jerry Rice, me watching him, or a Dion, or a Michael. You know, they were before me, and I got to watch them, and now I I can call them friends of mine. And that's a, that's a, you just don't get to do that in life often. And you can say, I watched you play while I was giving change for a 20. There you go. Yep. We'll leave you with this one last question. What's your best advice for people who are just getting started and who are trying to find a new path out there for themselves? Um, find something that not only makes you money, but make you happy. Find something that you will do because it's what you want to do, not what you have to do. The things you get to do because you want to do, you will do and become successful and you will have all the money you need because you're, you enjoy what you do. And you're not afraid of taking chances. That's it. Marshall, I love you. Thank love you for coming shoes. on Just Getting Started. All good. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Until next time. And I think you owe me a dinner anyway. I, I owe you so much. And I'm... I am going to make sure I pay up. Good. Because I'll hold your ass accountable. <laughs> All right, babe. Y'all have a good one. 
I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Marshall Falk as much as I did. Next week, we're going to change pace and talk to Dave Mandel. He was the executive producer and showrunner for Veep. He was an executive producer and director of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. He has written some of the funniest shows on television. Up next, he's finishing a a special called Watergate, uh, on Watergate for HBO. And uh, he's got great stories, guys. All those great stories from behind the scenes of Seinfeld and Curb and Veep. And I can't wait to share them all with you here on Just Getting Started. See you next week.